Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Ben, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? And super excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited that you're on. I know we've uh, we've talked a little bit. God, I think when we first talked, it was a couple months ago and had uh, one of those meetsy calls that was supposed to be like 15, 20 minutes long, like an hour and 15 or so later. We're like, ah, shit, we should probably get off the phone now. So I uh, appreciate you jumping on, man. Hey, my pleasure. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of context? Uh, tell us who you are, what you do for a living, and one thing that most people don't know about you. So yeah, so Ben Bressington, I'm the CEO of Behavior Sales, which is a behavioral intelligence platform. So we give salespeople a feedback loop on their conversations to help them understand what the hell just happened and what did I miss? And uh, hey, uh, and understand the personalities in which they're talking to and do they really connect, have influence, that type of stuff, which is critical if you want to close a deal authentically. Um, so I do that. One thing most people don't know about me is they uh, don't know I've got a tattoo of a bull uh, that I got in uh, in Spain after getting robbed and losing over fifty thousand dollars worth of stuff. So that's something that uh, most people don't know about. But that's another story, right? No, that's the story right now. I mean, the reason why I asked that question is for somebody to tell me something crazy. And Ben, guess what you just told me? Something fucking crazy. So the fact that you've got a bull. I'm not even going to try to recant it. Why don't you just start off wherever you feel? It, it's a tattoo that actually, it actually says be bullish. So it was a, after a day of uh, sangria and too much sangria right in uh, Madrid, Spain. Um, and uh, walked into the tattoo parlor in the evening after having a lot of sangria um, and a lot of wine, which was really good. Um, and what happened uh, 48 hours prior to this? Um, was uh, my wife and I at the time were in our Airbnb and there's a huge Airbnb scam over there where effectively the crook will go and stay at the Airbnb. They understand the layout, the floor plan and what they go is they go and copy the key at the hardware store which means they can let themselves in and out whenever the hell they feel like it. And we found out later that the average uh, crook is working about 200 apartments and they roll those apartments on a Sunday afternoon. We literally left the apartment for one hour that day. One hour. That one hour was when they walked in. They helped themselves to my wife's jewelry, our cameras, the cash. They left the place immaculate because they leave the place so... They don't want you to find out. They want you to think you, because most people, they know the statistics. Most people actually leave on a set, on a Monday morning, right? So what happens Sunday night? People are out, last day, blah, blah, blah. They come home, they throw all their shit in a suitcase. And then from there, they race to the airport in the morning. And what they want you to think is you lost this stuff somewhere in transit. But they didn't realize we were staying for another week. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, this was after we've already been there for a week. So this is so if you're traveling through Europe, be aware of this. The, the reason why they do this in Europe is usually with less than an hour, they can be in any a new country and it's then hard to prosecute anyone. So, and on most weekends, they uh, end up claiming two to $10 million worth of stuff. So it's very, very lucrative for them. Organized gangs and criminals do this. So this is what I found out after the fact. So this happened, we, got, we literally came home, uh, got into the apartment, 
And my wife was like, I was sitting on the couch enjoying myself because we were about to go for a hot air balloon ride the next morning, right? So I was just like, yep, yeah, resting up. And she's like, have you seen my, my wedding ring? I'm like, no, why the hell would I see your wedding ring? Blah, blah, blah. All right, we empty every suitcase five times. I move every couch, every piece of furniture. I'm crawling around the floor looking for this ring. Bear in mind, the ring's about 50 grand. So I'm looking for it. I've got an interest, a financial interest in now looking for this wedding ring, right? Uh, I walk up and down the stairs 10 times to see if it came off in a gloves. I'm walking the streets, like crawling the streets, look like, look like I'm drunk crawling the streets, uh, looking for this ring on the outside. And then uh, we go, I think we've been robbed. So we start looking around, what else is missing? Camera's gone, cash is gone. Left our passports, right? Because passports would be a red flag. Left the uh, iPad on the computer. What we didn't realize is we actually interrupted them. Um, they actually folded your stuff and put it back in the suitcase because they don't want you to tell like immaculate. No damage to the door or anything. We called the police and the police were like, what do you want us to do? Like you're a tourist. The only thing you can do as a tourist is go report it. You've got to go sit at this court that the uh, police station Took us over eight hours to sit there and file this police report, blah, blah, blah. The landlord wanted, didn't want anything to do with this. Uh, uh, Airbnb was just like, sorry, you're out of luck. So anyway, that leaves you really leaving, left me sitting there being really questioning a lot of things, as you can imagine, right? In a foreign country, in a foreign country for a month, uh, we've just literally lost over 50 grand's worth of stuff. Um, and it's just like, you get violated you're in this space you felt violated you felt like this space isn't safe like i didn't sleep for the next few nights because i'm like well they've got keys we found out after the fact that they have keys they literally can let themselves back in at any point in time so my wife was like hey we're here for another seven days husband you're going to carry all our shit around as we now tour every thing like around madrid because she didn't want to leave what she had left in the apartment. So I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Like at the end of the day, I just want to sit down. My back is just like killing me, right? So uh, uh, I ended up, I'd, I'd had this saying I'd, I'd enjoyed being about being, uh, be, be bullish. And to me, what it comes from is, and where it stems from is I grew up and we had this uh, Brahmin bull. So a Brahmin is a type of bull in, in central Queensland, Australia. Uh, very, very big, this Brahmin type cow. And, uh, but this, this bull was special because like it stood about eight foot high, right? Its head was two cases of beer wide, right? This thing was a gentle giant. Like this thing would come up and just want you to scratch its head was great around people. Cause we'd been around it as kids all our life. And like, we had this property at one point where it was on the side of a hill. And I can remember being on the back of the, the truck feeding the hay to all the cows. Right. And this bull didn't really realize what the hell was going on would come up. And start rubbing itself against the edge of the truck, right? What's what? What you got to remember is we're on a hill. The bull is usually standing here, rubbing itself on the truck. The truck is literally lifting its back wheels, kind of off the truck. So you're like, piss off, like, like this type of stuff. So I always remember that that bull was a gentle giant, calm in the storm, right? But strong. Uh, and I felt that at times, like I uh, responded in an emotional state, I'd be flustered, I'd, uh, I'd panic and I'd flight, right? Um, wouldn't say to fight, wouldn't necessarily see things through. So I wanted to get this tattoo of, I walked in, this is why I walked into the tattoo parlor and said, look, I want it, I want it to be a bull and I want it to say, be bullish. And everything else 
go to town. I don't care. And he kind of just spec something out. And I, I looked at it. I'm like, there's more to it, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm not that drunk, man. Like, there's got to be a little bit more to that squiggle, right? And uh, he goes, no, 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 this is it. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, and then now I've got this uh, multicolored tattoo of this bull that says, be bullish. And that's what it means to me. It's like, be brave, be calm in the storm and uh, continue to take actions. And like, you've got to continue to stand there, right? Uh, some people used to say like, uh, you don't want to be a bull in a china shop. And I think a lot of us react to situations without taking a breath, right? Without like calming down, what is the true objective here? Where am I trying to go with the situation? Or is me just flying off the hook like a bloody cockatoo or a galar or some type of fancy bird doesn't really get me anywhere. Like causes a lot of noise, but like, and sometimes it feels good, but really all sometimes you're doing is like causing more drama, right? So. That's what the tattoo means to me. And uh, I guess that's the end of the podcast, right? Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It's been real. Have a good night. <laughs> Man, that's uh, I mean, that's a hell of a way to start this thing, at least. Um, <laughs> typically, uh, when somebody says I got a tattoo and lost 50 grand, um, it's like, uh, you know, the hangover three or hangover four or something sort of a scheme that's about to happen. But man, there's a lot that's in that. So I want to ask you about your mindset going through that, that phase of life. Cause you also mentioned ex-wife, um, that I'm sure there were moments and things that kind of added up and that being one of those bigger things. Um, I've had situations with my ex-wife where there were monumental things that happened that you look at and say, man, that was kind of one of those moments that led us down this different path. Um, but the fact that you went through something like that and then started to think back through um, a situation you had growing up that is kind of abnormal. Like if somebody thinks of a bull, they kind of think of a bull in a china shop or they think of that bull chasing people or with somebody with a you know red cape or something throwing it at the bull. Uh, they don't think of a bull being kind of a gentle giant. So I love that you had that, that you thought back to that. But what was it that made you actually think about that and then run with that thought within that 48-hour period? Well, like, we did all the stuff that we usually do. Like, we went to every, uh, uh, we hired private investigators to try and find stuff, and they told us this type of stuff. And then I'm like, well, we can get all panicky and chaos and feel like the world is coming in around us. Uh, which is kind of the path that my wife kind of uh, at the time walked down where I was like, well, hold on. Like I earned the money then I can earn the money again. Like it, it, it's material things. We're safe. We're not harmed. It could have been a hundred times worse. Could have literally walked in on them rather than them safely getting out of the building before I even realized we were there. Right. So the thing is, is a, it could have gone a myriad of ways. Cause if we walked in on them, it could have, could have been a whole other story. Right. So we were safe. Uh, it makes you question your security and trust. And like, I know one of the things I did as problems in business uh, early on in my life um, was I trust people too quickly. Trusted everybody. Trusted everybody on a handshake because that's how I got. Uh, that's how I grew up, right? Do things on a handshake. Deliver on your word. Deliver on your promise, right? Um, and it's just like, all right, well, in this situation, it's tough. I can either lay on the floor and collapse and cry and go nowhere. Um, or I can work out a plan and move forward and continue moving forward. Cause we were uh, a lot of people that also don't know, like at the time we're also there for IVF, right? 
So we're actually there for the month at uh, the time to do IVF. And uh, that actually like, I'm like, well, we're here for a reason. And this stress isn't going to carry through very well for this, the, the, the goal of why we're here, right? So um, it didn't help. Um, and so it's just like, all right, well, how do we turn this around? And uh, I, there's a saying I, I've now heard from a friend, which I think is actually fantastic. Um, he goes, well, we can always change the story we're telling ourselves. So, and, and, and asking yourself really, what is the story I'm telling? And is that the filter, the lens or the perception I really want to have from this experience? Like this, it was a crappy experience, but how do I want to take it away and use this as fuel for my life rather than like, Hey, I'm never going to travel again. I'm not going to leave my bedroom. Like that's not going to work either. Right? So how did those conversations go with your then wife at that time? Cause it sounded like your mindset was shit happens. We're, we're good. We didn't die. So we can move along from here. Uh, but the fact that you guys were going through all that personal stuff and kind of working through what happened after that? Well, it was, uh, that week was very problematic because the thing is, is like, we'd literally stay out of the apartment. We'd leave the apartment, uh, after breakfast. And we, we wouldn't want to go back to the apartment. So what we sh what I now know what we should have done is we should have gone and got a hotel and stayed in a hotel, right? That's what we should have done, lesson learned, right? Rather than going, hey, I don't want to go back to this place because I don't know who's there, I don't trust it, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't feel safe space anymore. Um, and that creates uh, stress and pressure. Um, uh, the conversations were interesting and like uh, at that time it was mainly about supporting her. She wanted me to, uh, she wanted to go around to every secondhand shop porn shop in the in the um in the city and hand off a flyer so i went and got a flyer made and a brochure made i went and got my uh developers to literally build this app that scraped every marketplace that we could find for images so each morning she could log in and like look at the images of these marketplaces and this type of stuff right um uh, so I did all this type of stuff to work out what we do. We paid two private investigators to help us find and like try and locate stuff, but it didn't really help either or didn't really go in our favor because they're like, well, it could be anywhere. It's like most of this stuff gets melted down within two hours. Like they, they know what they're doing, right? So the conversations were challenging and it would be a roller coaster. And I, I think I got the tattoo at a time when I was like weak looking for strength, looking for something to constantly re remind me that uh, I am stronger than I think I am. I can be that gentle giant. And like, who do I want to be in this moment? Because um, at that time, like it felt like the world wanted me to be somebody else, wanted me to be collapsing on the floor, being weak, uh, rolling the victim hat. Like you can roll the victim hat all you want, but is it going to get you anywhere? No. Not at all. And it does take some people a long time to be able to figure that out. I think there's also the times where you just want to be the victim for a minute because you're like, you know, this fucking sucks. This sucked. And you want somebody to be there with you and go, yeah, I'm with the, I'm with you. This sucks. But sometimes that's basically all you really need was just to know that you're not alone in this thing to then be able to actually take that next step and kind of move move things along. But your mindset in that sort of situation, we'll show what your true character is. Because if your character was a complete mess inside, then you could have been like, oh, we're getting revenge and everybody's going to die. You know, but obviously you didn't go that route. Um, so you actually hit a little bit on on how you grew up. You grew up trusting people with a handshake. And 
let's actually take a step back. Give us some context. How did you grow up? Because I think for the most part, a lot of our listeners are here in the States. Now, I know you live in Florida now, but that's not where you originally came from. So give us a little bit of a background with that. Yeah, so I grew up in a uh, small beach town in Australia, kind of eight hours from uh, anywhere, right? Six to eight hours from anywhere, right? Uh, so and I, at the time I grew up, uh, shops were only open Monday to Friday, nine to five. Nothing was really after open after like five o'clock, six o'clock, uh, unless it was the ice cream place or the, the pub, that type of stuff, right? So um, everything was closed on Sundays. Like if you wanted to actually go shopping on a Sunday, you had to drive six hours to go to this shopping mall that was open, right? So like that's the type of town I grew up in. Um, I grew up in a town where uh, there was still a lot of, there still is to this day a lot of boarding schools because all the kids from out west would get bust in and they would live here because like their home is four hours, eight hours, 12 hours away driving, right? Like, cause Australia is a pretty big island. Um, so uh, that's kind of how I grew up. Uh, my parents were successful in business um, and uh, I, was, I have, a, most people don't realize I've got a law degree and a criminology degree. I was meant to take over a family law firm, right? So. Um, it was interesting because the day that my dad put a wing on the building and it was going to be like Bressington and Bressington, uh, Bressington and, and partners, but there's going to be Bressington and sons type thing. He built this wing expansion to the building. I sat him down and I said, Hey dad, got some good news. Got some bad news. Uh, good news is I'm moving to Canada for a girl. Uh, bad news is I'm not going to be here. Uh, I'm not doing law. And he's just like, I just built this wing. I'm like, you got, you got four, there's four other boys. Uh, one of them will do law. Don't you worry. So, uh, that's kind of what happened there but uh yeah so i grew up in that environment um and uh i can remember growing up because we always had uh we used to go out on the weekends and go mountain uh dirt biking uh and uh, my dad had uh, these hobby farms they call them uh with cattle and all this type of stuff and uh we'd go out and we'd go camping and we'd ride our dirt bikes and that was always fun it was a different exposure and uh boys being rough as hell right yeah wow that's pretty cool man uh, that takes some balls to be able to tell your dad, hey, I'm not going to do this thing. Uh, but you'd also mentioned a little earlier that, you know, the world tries to push you into a certain sort of feeling or tries to make you be something. It sounds like you were kind of on that path where you were gearing up to be something. So what was the shift for you? And don't just blame it on a woman because, look, I get it. You know, most people move. The fucking reason why I'm in Florida, a woman. Um, most people will move for that. But... What was the actual shift that led you away from that? Uh, I can remember never feeling comfortable where I was. And like, I always wanted to go to the US and I felt like being in the US was there was more opportunity for me, more people would get me. I felt like no one got me when I was growing up. Um, like when I was 17, I was flying to Hong Kong um, for the week. I'd go to trade shows and conventions and I'd find products. Uh, I didn't care what they were, bra straps, cameras, electronic, it didn't really matter. And I'd sit, come back, I'd set up an e-commerce store and sell them online. Bear in mind, this is what I was doing when I was 17, 18, 19, all the way through to 21. This was before Amazon. This is before, like this was Yahoo store type day. Like most people don't remember that type of crap. Like, uh, and the thing is, is I had a budget of $2,500 because that's what my credit card was. Uh, so I'd go over, I'd uh, buy, I, I could only buy like $1,500 worth of stuff because I still had to have airline tickets and shipping and all the other crap that I had to get with it, right? And then I had 30 days because I had to pay the credit card statement. 
um and then i was this is what i was doing like back then so i was back then i was on a different part everyone was like well what job are you gonna get what are you gonna do this and i'm like that what like i was 21 i was driving a shelby cobra i had a custom motorbike i had another car and i was consulting to three law firms i didn't even have a law degree i was literally telling them how to run their conveyancing departments which is their property transaction departments and like like they were like this kid was doing it like i was literally running their departments and they loved it and like i can remember the day i went to pick up my shelby cobra as a 21 year old the uh the guy i was buying it from was like oh you're here to get this for your dad (laughs) no like he wouldn't even let me drive it so i came back the next like 48 hours later i'm like here's the check can i drive it now like he wouldn't he took me for a drive down the road because he didn't believe that i was going to buy this car right um but yeah so yeah always on a different path um and even now always on a different path right like it's like hey i see i see the world slightly differently some people think um depending on who you listen to that that that's broken like i like i should just be able to go get a job and be happy but i'm like man i don't want to get a job like i want to i want to deliver value i want to make a difference and it pisses me off like i did a test for, like i'll i'll give you some context with my ex-wife i actually did a test she goes you should be able to go get a job i'm like okay hun. okay i went and applied to 150 jobs right went and applied to 150 jobs online you want to know how many interviews i got i got two interviews to sell solar door knocking door to door wait a minute so more context was that here in the states this was literally uh, about a, a, about six months ago, eight months ago now. So context is pretty recent, right? Wow. Yeah. All right. 150 jobs. Right. And like, I'm like, what was funny is like, just published my fifth book. Got two more books on the way. Um, uh, I, I was doing this the in the month after that. I'm like, getting a job is ludicrous, right? Because I'm already making money. I've automated two companies. I like, and the problem was is. I kind of had some free time. So she was like, you got to be busy doing something. I was wanting to grow another business. She didn't want me to grow another business. She wanted me to like do what responsible adults do. Um, and, uh, and then I'm like, well, screw this. And like literally the next month after I go and close $140,000 a month, it's got a multi, uh, uh, $1.8 million a year contract that just with one company. And now I've like got multiple of them in queue. And I'm like, I can't, I literally had to, tell clients I can't work with you right now because like I I I don't have the resource don't have the bandwidth um and like uh like I'm I'm yeah we've I the company that we're dealing with that I'm scaling right now will like in its first 12 months will cross probably 24 million dollars which is not too bad uh from zero to 24 million and I'm like and yet 150 jobs couldn't get a job from anyone at that point in time and like it was interesting like Getting that, yeah, we looked at your resume and we chose somebody else. We've moved on. I'm like, man, you get 150 of those in the email inbox. And like, you're just like, holy crap. Like, I still get them every day and I laugh because I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, I, if I'm not too, if that ain't my path, then I have to make my path. Well, so think about you making your path, but there are people that would just take each of those negative responses and just add that to the pile of shit that they currently live in and go, well, I tried 
and I guess I can, and they just keep going down and down and down, where it sounds like you kind of did it just to shut her up. Like, look, I'll go try this thing and prove something to you, but you kind of had a um, socioeconomic play there because, yeah, the, uh, what is the uh, employment rate? Like two or 3% at this point. And there are still people trying to find jobs and there are still people like yourself. Yeah, like it, it was amazing. Like I was, I was talking to company after company. I'm like, we can't find good people. I'm like, well, your finding process is broke because I know, I know. Like, and it was just, uh, and it, that's a whole other thing. Like it's completely ludicrous. And you're right. Like you can, you can make it mean two different things. I'm like, well, for me, it means that my path is already in front of me and I've just got to continue working it no matter how hard it is, no matter how tough it is in the time. Like, it's just like, there is no plan B and there's going to be no easy way out. Like, I think one of the biggest lessons I had to learn and I only honestly learn it probably in the last two years was like, I was always trying to look for somebody's permission to do something. Uh, and, and it was just like, I had to realize that I don't need permission. I don't need to ask for permission. The only person's permission is is mine. I need my permission. Uh, and a lot of people never get this lesson. And, and I, it annoys me that it took me so long. Don't get annoyed, though. <laughs> Be okay with yourself. Grace with yourself, man. You're in good company. It, 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 and I think, I think what helped me reinforce it was like, hey, I don't need these people's permission for the 150 jobs I applied for. Um, even though I could help every single one of them. Like, even though I could do stuff for every single one of them. I'm like what I do need is my own permission to focus on what I'm doing and actually see it through and complete it. And that's a whole other game, right? That's a whole other mind game. I'm like, and it really made me question because then you run this like thread you can pull through your entire life, right? Of how many times did I stop short because I was seeking somebody's permission that I didn't get or hypothetical guru or leader that I didn't get their permission or their, their acceptance the way I wanted their acceptance. So I gave up on what I was doing because they didn't get it. They didn't see it. And like, it's just this thing that makes you go, holy crap, I've stopped. Like that saying, three feet from gold. And you don't realize how, if you're constantly seeking other people's permission, you stop three feet from gold, like quite often. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big, big thing. I think there are a lot of people that abandon themselves and don't really think about it. They just have gone along with things for so long that it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I sort of blamed, uh, I think blame is the easiest way to put it. I blamed being married. Like, hey, I don't know how to husband, so I'm trying to do the best that I can. Uh, I don't know how to be the best partner or the best friend or the best lover or the best whatever. So I'm trying to do the best I can. But when you really look back at on some of that stuff, you can see, well, you just didn't make a decision and your indecision was still a decision and you just gave in. Yeah. And, and that's a big thing. Indecision is still a decision. And like, okay, what did you do to do better though? Like we talked to, I talked to salespeople, so I'll put it in context, right? With salespeople, we go, well, how much have you spent on sales training this year? Oh, less than 50 bucks. Really? So what sales training are you doing now? Oh, none. Um, but my sales aren't great. I'm like, so, so let me get this straight. You spend less than $50 a year. You're trying to make sales and you're frustrated that you aren't hitting your sales targets right now. Like, 
Uh, yeah, but my my and then this oh yeah, but my company should provide me with training, or they provided me with training, but it's not what I need. I'm like, all right, like so then like this, whose responsibility is this, and whose permission do you need? And if we're all trying to do stuff, like we don't really put that effort in to be that better lover, be that better partner, be that better father. Like one of the things I just say to people, and that I've been working on myself, is really designing my personality and designing your reality. And there's I got trained by some of the guys in the CIA who try and blip train black site interrogators and they have this thing where they can literally reprogram your personality and it was fascinating for me to go through this process and learn this process because then i was actually able to design what i want and what i wasn't aware of that um your belief patterns and your your what you believe about people in the world is usually set in place as a seven-year-old child so put it in context. That means right now you are a seven-year-old child running around the world, responding to the world. Don't hurt me, feed me, and make me look good. From the perspective of a seven-year-old child, that may be cool and okay for you. But for some of us, we're like, well, that's freaking ludicrous. Because at what point in your life did you reset your beliefs, reset your assumptions, reset your expectations? based on today's, based on what you know today. Does that make sense? 100%. Even with the specific day, when you think of journaling, meditating, or even just processing through your day, most people don't do that. And uh, it can be easy to not do that because it's so much easier to just continue to watch TV or try to escape from everything else in our phones, especially. My God, the amount of times I pick up my phone, just look at what time it is. Then the next thing you know, I'm on Instagram, I'm wandering through LinkedIn. It's been 20 minutes. And there are times where I'll just throw the phone like onto the sofa. I'm like, how? How did you even get it in my hand? What the fuck? Uh, but we just kind of aim for that. You need, you, need to, you need to get a clock, right? Yeah, you need to get a clock and actually put it, yeah, like you go old school. So, and I'll give people some context on this, right? So when I was peeling back the, uh, the layers of my beliefs, we got to this belief that I had that uh, um, I, so I would go to Disney, I'd go to uh, on a vacation and I'd feel guilty and I'd feel like I'd have to work. And I felt like fun, uh, I'm not entitled to fun and I can't enjoy life and I have to work. So I would feel guilty walking around Disney, guilty because I'm not working and I'm having fun and enjoying myself. And so then I like, you do this discovery process and look, if people want the discovery process, it's in my book. They don't have to go pay any money for it. It's on the book. Um, but the thing is, is I realized that I created this belief that I can't enjoy my life because when I was about eight, my brothers and I were f messing around in a hotel parking lot while my dad was loading the car, right? And you know the uh, hotels have those like those big flat trolleys like Costco to carry all your luggage. We were messing around in this empty parking lot, like as these things were our private like skateboards, right? Standing on top of the thing, pushing each other around, like loud as all you know what, right? Three boys running around causing a muck, right? And then this little old lady comes out of the lift. And like I can, to this day, I can still see her silhouette. Like this little old lady, right? And just starts bitching on us as young kids, right? Just, you can't be doing that. Stop doing that. Blah, blah. Like just yelling, going to town. 
So we jump off. And the belief I took from that one interaction was that I can't enjoy myself. I can't have fun. I'm not entitled to have fun. And that set me up for how I lived through college, through high school, through through the the first 10 years, 20 years of like my business development life and all this type of stuff. Like I would work seven days a week until I burnt out. I would burn myself out. I'd have to take a few days off and I'd feel guilty the entire time. Yeah. And that is, that is a real thing that uh, a lot of people, I think, experience without talking about it. So I appreciate you bringing that up and that you were able to get through that. Uh, for the most part, <laughs> I don't know if there are any real problems that we have that don't really stem from childhood. I think pretty much all of it stems from childhood. And I, <laughs> I love the visual. Yeah, how you connect with people, how you connect with your loved ones, how you, like everything, your beliefs, like it, it's all from childhood, from your parents, from you not having parents, from the loss of parents, from a divorce. Um, like it's all there. You're literally responding and the thing is, until you become aware of that and address that, that's what will run your life. You are where you are because of the choices and decisions and the belief patterns you've made. And what a lot of people aren't aware of is you can program your beliefs. So imagine sitting down now and designing everything you want in your personality. For some people, it's actually easy to go, everything I don't want to be. I don't want to be. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want to respond in anger to this. I don't want this. And then flip it. And until you can actually define a list and actually uh, be aware of that, and there's hypnosis and meditations you can actually use to then implant that into your subconscious brain, right? Because you are you're literally a subconscious computer program responding to everything based on your childhood. And um, and if you don't if you don't become aware of that, like you respond to things in ways that you're like, what, if you really become conscious to it, you're like, why the hell am I doing that? Yeah. Aware, awareness is such, it's the catalyst to really any change. If you're not aware that your house is on fire, then you might just walk into a burning building. If you're aware that something's going on with that fire, then you would do something about it, but it takes that awareness. And there's the old story of that, right? Of like, um, there's this uh, old lady in a rocking chair and there's the dog on the, on, on the patio. They're sitting there in the afternoon and she's on the rocking chair and as she rocks back, the, the dog goes, ah! and as she rocks back again, the dog goes, ah! and she rocks back again. And the husband looks to the wife and goes, what the hell's wrong with him? And she goes, he's too, he's too lazy to actually move because I'm rocking on his tail every time I rock back, right? But it, it, it's comfort he's comfortable and he doesn't want to move. He's okay with the pain. And you think have to ask him like, I, I say to people, we're either dying or thriving. And the thing is, is you have to look at it and go, well, how many situations am I actually accepting dying in? Being at work, going to work with a boss, with a partner, with a loved one, with, with your spouse. Like, how are you letting that situation help you thrive? Or are you settling for doing less, settling for a, a lesser human than you want to be? Yeah. Uh, that's a scary question, and uh, it can be scary as shit for somebody to actually answer that, for them to say, no, it's not where I want to be. But that's real talk, and you got to figure that out, figure out what you want to actually do from there. Man, you've gone, uh, you've gotten into a lot of different stuff, 
and touched on a couple what sound like key moments in time for you. Are there any other episodes or situations that stand out to you throughout life that you can look at and go, wow, that was one of those moments in time that changed me? Yeah, like uh, there's always the business partners ships. Like so at uh, there's a long time I I, I uh, struggled with my own self-worth. And this is something really constantly being worked on even to this day. Um, and for the longest period of time, I'd come up with these ideas. I'd start these businesses, but I'd seek a partner to run it and like be the leader because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe I was worthy of doing that or filling that role. And, um, and that would never end up well because they weren't, they were, the, they weren't the creator. They weren't, they were impersonated. They were following some guru or trying to be the next Tony Robbins or whoever the hell they were, whatever. Like, and I was, and I, and I was seeking this hole that once I got started with them, they couldn't even be fixing or they couldn't even be resolving, if that makes sense. Um, and that's problematic. Because it's like unfulfilled expectations. There's an expectation there that's not going to met, and as a result, there's going to be a problem. So, in six months from now, eight months from now, once the honeymoon is over, well, the shit's going to hit the roof some way, and you're going to feel disappointed because I've just I gave half of everything to a Yahoo. Are there any key specific ones you want to point out without naming Yahoos? <laughs> oh, there's a there is a whole bunch of Yahoos. I have been through that ringer many a time. Man, I've even given six figures to these Yahoos to b- help me build this business and blah 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 and Yahoo. <laughs> it's like uh, so it's a reason. Um, it's the reason I moved from Canada to uh, the U.S. At the time, I had a business relationship, and they're like, I paid them six figures to do what they said they were going to do. They didn't do what they said they were going to do, and they're like, "You're in Canada. What are you going to do about it?" Twenty-one days later, I was living in Tampa, Florida. Oh, sorry, in Clearwater, Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida. And they're like, I walk into the room now with these guys still to this very day, and the guy shits his pants, and he's a big self-help guru like absolutely shits his pants uh and he'll leave the room like and it's it's funny now but back then oh my god like i rained hell uh because yeah when you lose six figures you lose all momentum from a company that you're building and running and you get sidetracked which at the end of the day ended up losing a big business because i got sidetracked with shit i started focusing on what didn't happen what wasn't going on rather than focusing as as like with the being being bullish and going okay how do i want to respond in this moment how do i want to be where do we want to go and am i dropping my focus on what is working to focus on and recover a pile of shit (laughs) sometimes you gotta let the shit be what uh what would you say was your major lesson that you took out of that time a major lesson um one that I don't need a partner, that I can do it. Uh, you don't. You you are uh, you are worthy of doing it. And if uh, and uh, you can't beat the work, you can't skip the step of doing the work. Right? Someone's got to show up. Someone's got to make the phone calls. Someone's got to send the emails. Even I can remember making phone calls, and I was so paranoid to call, make the phone call, make the call, like. I couldn't pick up the phone. Like it just gets so heavy. I'd rather go to the dentist. I'd make, I'd go clean the toilet because I'd rather clean the toilet right now than make a phone call to someone who I know wanted to give me money. Right? Like, like 
there's fundamentals of conversation and I think it stemmed back to me being so shy, me being embarrassed about who I was and not comfortable in my own skin and you have to really start to own this stuff like, hey, are you comfortable with who you are? Are you, if you're an introvert, great. How are you gonna create systems to support you to make you thrive rather than make you die, if that makes sense? And I was, I was hoping that somebody else would facilitate these systems to help make me better. But they'll, everyone looks after their own interest, behavior 101. Like you're going to go after your own interests first uh, at the cost of everybody else. So if I know and can actually understand what your self-interest is and make sure I align my goal to your self-interest, now we can get somewhere. But most people never do that stuff because then it's hap- I'm happy to give, 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 give because you getting what you want gets me what I want. It's, it's not about not being a giver. It's about knowing that, hey, self-interest will always be first um and when you are a giver with thinking people will give back to you and look after you and help you like it doesn't work that way Hmm. that's that's a solid point um and i think it edges on the on a thin line of being super pessimistic and being slightly optimistic um only because you've been through that but it sounds like you've also had to go through that to be able to realize you know fuck all you people i'm ben i'm gonna do what i need to do and be bullish in that sort of way so i can appreciate that energy and i i hope more people piss you off so that you do greater things does that sound good oh that sounds like it's gonna be a hell of a roller coaster but thank you very much for the blessing (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome i mean we're both on this crazy fucking roller coaster um so man on that note it's been a pleasure to have you on the show i appreciate you jumping on and sharing all your wisdom um why don't you give us what's that one piece of advice you'd give somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery uh be calm and uh uh, stay the course. So the thing is, is uh, as they say, the obstacle is the way. Don't avoid it. Don't go around it. Uh, go through it. Uh, become aware of your situation. Become aware of who you are, who you want to be. Um, and at times, it may mean dropping friends, dropping activities, because you, you there's no excuse to doing the work. There really just ain't. Um, and the best thing you can become in when you're trying to master yourself is aware of your behaviors, of your habits, of what you say, how you react, how you feel, like write the stuff down. Like, how do I feel in that moment? How do I feel when I'm talking to that person? What's the belief I have running in my head? Like, what's that little voice in my head saying to me right now in this situation? Because you have to track this stuff. Otherwise, it's programming you to do certain things and you either like it or you don't. So become aware of that. Awareness is key. It's great advice, man. So Ben, where can people uh, find you and connect with you? Hey, if they want to connect with me, they can hit me up at ben at behaviorsales.com. If they don't want to hit up me directly because I'm a scary Australian, just use help at behaviorsales.com. You can spell it the American way or the English way. You'll hit it up. Uh, if you want uh, access to the book, uh, I did write this book, People Ignorant, um, which actually takes how I uh, repattern my own behavior, help people repattern theirs, uh, do a whole lot of cool stuff with personality mapping and awareness. Um, if they email help at behavior sales, mention the podcast, they'll actually get free access to the online version of the book and some videos and some training, uh, and they can help them start to ask these questions that like we've been talking about today. That's great stuff, man. Again, Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure.
another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. So, what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts and check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. Check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. And I'd like to thank our sponsors. The Manly Club and the Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. Men, do you consider yourself to be a powerhouse man? The criteria for becoming one is simple. Live with virtue and do good work. You see, a powerhouse man builds his life he doesn't settle for it. He attacks mediocrity at the root, and that's exactly what we do in the Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. Visit powerhousemen.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-H-O-U-S-E men.com. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.